Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you this day. We were talking in, in the back. We meet as a leadership uh, in the back, and we pray before we start uh, the service in the morning. And just speaking about church and being in church and our love uh, for being in church. But one day, uh, we are going to be actually all together like all the saints from the past and the future, and we're going to have one big church service, and it's going to last and last and last, and then uh, when we sing that song, uh, it's going to have even more meaning than it has today. Amen? Just a, a couple of uh, quick commercials. Uh, as Pastor Angelo already mentioned, uh, the women's Bible study is starting this Wednesday. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a quite an informative time. It is so important for us to know how to open the Word of God for ourselves and read it and understand it. And that's what that Bible study is going to be about. Yesterday, the women had their monthly meeting. Uh, they have a brunch the first Saturday of every month. And this week, uh, we celebrate two years of the women's ministry from Light of the World Church, the Rooted Ministry. What a, what a beautiful thing God is doing there. So many women come out for that. If you have not been and you are uh, post-high school, you need to come out for that. Also, uh, like Pastor Angelo mentioned about our baptism service on Friday, uh, sometimes youth or Bible study people, when we have a different event on a Friday, then I'll take a week off. Don't do that. You will miss something that is special. We have a wonderful time when we celebrate others being baptized, a time of worship, a time of testimony, a time of just praying and thanking God for what he is doing in the lives of others, which is encouraging for us and it's encouraging for us as a church. So make sure that you come out for that. And again, Pastor Angelo mentioned the business meeting. We can't stress enough how important it is to come out Come to second service. I know first service people have a routine. It's like, no, I get up in the morning and I get to church first service, but either come to first service and come back at one o'clock for the meeting or come to second service. But if you are part of this church, you need to know what is going on uh, in the church and the finances of the church. Uh, maybe you think, all of this stuff just happens and uh, throw a couple of dollars in there and the church is just going to be there. It's a lot more than that. So you need to be informed. You need to know the needs of the church and where the money uh, that is coming to the church is being spent for God's kingdom. Amen? All right. So we're here for the word. We're continuing uh, in the series that we started last week, Stories, Jesus told. And this week we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. 
Matthew chapter 7, and the parable that we'll be reading this morning is the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And what an important sermon that was. It took three chapters, and Jesus sat there and he preached. And he, for the first time, let the people know no, not only am I a preacher, not only am I a prophet, I am God. And he starts to lay out what it means to be part of the kingdom of God and what we are called to. And then he ends it um, with this parable. So we're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start reading uh, in verse 24. I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. And I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew 7, starting at verse 24, reads this way. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and, a, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus has come and he was on a mission, a mission to save. And he demonstrated that in everything he did and how he died. And as God rose again, Lord, but he also spoke, and he spoke words of life. His words are life. The words in this Bible are words of life, and they have power, and we are to take heed to what is being said. And that's what he speaks about here, that when we are under the hearing of your word, what we do with it matters. So we ask, Father, that you would give us an attentive ear, an ear to hear this morning, and that we would be changed, that we would have an expectation that every time we sit under your word, we open your Bible and read that you would do an inner work that would bear fruit. That's our petition this day, Lord, that you would give us our daily bread. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So one of the um, things that we have on the earth, uh, and we have it in many places in America, 
are called sinkholes. I don't know if you've ever heard of sinkholes or even have seen a sinkhole, but basically what happens is under the ground, there's water. Um, that's why uh, when we don't have a water source coming to us, we have wells, and they drill deep until they hit water, and that's the water that you use in your house. Well, that water that is there uh, is powerful, and at times what it does, depending on the material that is around it, it will break that material down, and, and there uh, can be caused on the surface, a hole that just gives way. And that happens often, and certain places are more prone to that because of the type of rock that is common to that area. And Florida is one of those places, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Pennsylvania. So uh, where I used to go bank, there was this one big crater and they would just fill it up. And you come a couple of months later, and it was a hole again and again and again. But when we think about that, uh, we have to be careful where we put our house, where we build. And so often, uh, the tests that are for those things don't, doesn't really reveal that you're on shaky ground that that is not a firm foundation. Uh, many people have built their houses in these places and at some point have suffered loss. One of the requirements for building a house is to get a soil test. They, they check out the soil. Soil engineers uh, determine whether you have strong soil, weak soil, how it interacts with water. In, in New York, if you've ever been in the city and you've been around a construction site, sometimes you will hit and it will not stop. And, and what they're doing is driving piles, big steel beams, into bedrock to make sure that the foundation is strong. Well, in the same way, your life is built on something. Your life is, is built on something, and there's two types of people. People that are building on the rock and people that are building on everything else because everything besides the rock is sand. So to start with, we're all building. Your life is building something. Daily, you are laying blocks on a foundation. What building material you're using is important when you build something. But when it comes to building, what's more important than the material that you're using is location. There's some real estate people here that will tell you is, what they will tell you is, yeah, that's a nice house, but do you want to live there, right? You could have 
a mansion in the middle of some place where no one wants to live and it be worth very little. But then you can have a 1,000 square foot apartment and it could be worth a tremendous amount of money because of where it is located. So Jesus is finishing up the Sermon on the Mount and he speaks to these two groups of builders and he uses this um, as an analogy. I love that Jesus tells these kind of stories because they're things that we can relate to. Often when we have spiritual concepts and we try to institute them in our lives, unless we have a visual, a, a word picture, it's hard for us to kind of figure it out. But Jesus being God and a master speaker uh, was so good at this. And what he was speaking about here was actually the disposition of the heart. That's what he was speaking about in the Sermon on the Mount. It seems like if you read it, all of these things that we must do. But it was so much greater than that. He wanted those listening to hear that your disposition of your heart would lead to blessings. But then he also spoke about salt and light. He spoke about anger. He spoke about love. He spoke about divorce. He spoke about retaliation, about oaths, about loving your enemy, about giving, about fasting, about laying up treasures in heaven. And hearing all of those things, coming to church every Sunday, reading your Bible is good. But as you hear these things, it must turn into action. If, if it doesn't turn into action, something's wrong. So he starts this parable by saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Right? Hearing is not enough. Actually, in Ezekiel 33, starting at verse 31, it says, And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as many people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For they, with lustful talk in their mouths, they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. And in other words, as you're hearing this information, oh, it sounds wonderful. You know, it's only a couple of times that I've preached where the, the response, the, the response at the very moment 
was very, very apparent. And one day, uh, I preached a sermon uh, called um, Sex is from God. And just looking from my vantage point at the faces, I had never experienced speaking to an audience and, and the way uh, their expressions were. And then also last week, saying, you've been warned, and speaking about hell. Often I don't go to the back, but I, I, I just wanted to um, embrace people. And the, the way people responded, you can tell it did something deep in their heart. At least we pray it did something deep in their heart. Because if today, a week later, you're not kind of going over that in your mind. And a week later, if, if I asked you, okay, if that impacted you, what changes took place this week? Were you more intent when you were in your word or in your prayer time? Did, did it come to your remembrance when you were faced with, I need to keep my mouth shut in this area. I need to open my mouth here. I need to witness to this person. What did it do? So what this scripture we just read in Ezekiel is talking about, no, we like to hear. But if it doesn't turn into something, it is a man who built this house on the sand. So, we all build. You're either a wise builder or a foolish builder, but you are a builder. The text tells us, everyone who hears these words of mine and does, listening is not enough. If, you are go, if it is going to be of value, it must lead to action. Then you will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Uh, one of the things that is important is whatever you're building, you're going to have to live in it. You're going to have to deal with it. Whatever you're building in your life, it sets the circumstances that are around you. It sets the relationships that you have. It uh, sets the, the um, way that you feel inside. All of these things are affected by what you're building. It says, and the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. We all have ups and downs. But you can tell where a person is spiritually when the smallest of things knocks them 
off course. When it starts drizzling and they start falling apart. Storms are real, and things happen. I remember um, a hurricane took out my friend's house. And it was funny because before it took out his house, he was at my house that day, and he said, oh, my wife said to him, hey, if something happens to our house, we're going to come to your house. And he said, stay on your side of the railroad tracks. <laughs> and Gloria was a baby, and she said to the person, uncle, I'm not going to say his name, that's not nice. A couple of hours later, he called Reg. A tree fell on my house. My house is split in half. But he was like really calm. To the degree, because of the conversation that happened earlier, I said, he's surely playing. <laughs> he said, I'm not playing. It, it, it came down so hard that it broke my granite countertop in half. He said, I was sitting there watching TV, and a feeling just came over me, go get some Chips Ahoy cookies. <laughs> this is what he said. <laughs> and I hesitated. Thank God, because those cookies would have took you out. So cookies could kill you like real quick. Or slowly. <laughs> but his calmness through the storm meant something. It, it, it meant that his foundation, his house, his true house, was built on the rock. Because I've had other incidents where a much lesser thing happened. And you'd see a response of almost hysteria. Both of these houses suffered storms. Oh, the storms are going to come in your life. You being able to be quiet and have peace in the midst of the storm is going to be based on what your house is built on. Because the buildings are going to be tested. You're always building. Every thought we think, every word we say, every action we take, every ambition we cherish, all of these are building materials and, and doing something in this structure that we're building on. You, you, you see in the Bible where uh, when we're reading about the kings, 
that they will say that, that this king was evil in the sight of the Lord. What that doesn't mean is that every single thought and action performed was evil. What it does mean is the prevailing tone of their life and what they were building uh, in terms of what was important to them amounted to them being considered evil. And in the adverse, right, when God spoke well of a king, it did not mean all they did every single day, every thought they had, and every action they took was good. Because none of us have that. But their life, what they were building on, was on the rock. So in our lives, we can say, Either we're building on sinking sand or we're building on the rock. You know, it's sometimes hard to determine what someone's building on. Buildings are going to be tested, but often when people build, it kind of looks the same. It looks the same, and you really don't know until the storm comes. That's when you can tell who's building on what. Because if you think about the two sets of builders here, they were all listening to the message. They heard. So it could seem very much like where I'm building and where you're building um, are equal. Our houses look the same until the storm comes, until the flood comes, until the rain, until the pounding on your house comes. Like I had a rough week this week, and I kind of think it tied into last week's sermon because normally I get like all of these things that happen and I just Okay, this is this, this is that. And it's a lot, but you just kind of navigate through it. And sometimes, those things would just seem to mount. For, for me, I don't know what takes you out, but for me, it's not like the big things. It's just one thing here, another thing on top of that, another thing on top of that, to the point where I'm frustrated. And then it's just like that one more thing happens. And we have those moments, all of us. The, the thing is, if, if your life is just based on and consumed with like those frustrations and those things on a regular basis, like some people, that's just how they live. Like Brother Thomas told me he has a sermon called, Your Face Needs to Be Saved. My wife talks to me all the time about my face. It's like, how many people have to come to me and ask me if you're okay? And I'm like, it's just my face. But, 
But on the inside, most of the time, I'm like really good. And I pray that you are as well. But it has to do with what we're building on. See, because the focus here was not the rock or the sand. It was on the two builders. And what was, speak, what was being spoken about here was um, doing and not doing. Obedience and disobedience. Uh, where you never even look at the blueprints. The, the, the blueprint. You pick a spot and say, I'm just going to build here. Because, because I, I like that spot. No disrespect to architects, but I grew up in construction. And in meetings, there are engineers and there are architects. And an architect wants things to look nice. But an engineer wants things to work. It's got to work first. And then we could worry about whether it looks nice. So we have um, th those many clashes even in our home. Jesse will show me a chair in a magazine and say, I like how this chair looks. And I will say to her, that chair does not look comfortable. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good something looks if it's not going to work. That's a tip for dating for somebody here. <laughs> Your entire life is a building project. It needs to be built on the rock. So, so, so then the question comes, well, what if I've been building on the wrong thing for a long time? What, what, what do I do if my house has already fallen? You, you got to start building again. You, you got to start, as long as you're here, you could start building again. Just make sure that this time you're building on the rock. And the longer you build on something other than the rock and it's sinking sand, the harder to crash when it falls. But we have an opportunity to build on the rock. When Jesus gave the sermon on the mount. He was letting the people know, I, I call God Father, that that wasn't being done. You will stand before me in the time of judgment. And then toward the end of the sermon, he, he points out three things. One, about a tree. Uh, trees are bearing fruit, and how a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, nor does a good tree bear bad fruit. And it talks about the health of the tree. And then 
he starts talking about when those come to approach him. And he says, I never knew you. It says in verse 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. And then he goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Again, the one who does. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is not only the rock, but he is the rock of ages. And anyone who builds their life on him is sure to stand. Any house built on anything else will crash. He brings this sermon to an end, speaking about these three things, and it really boils down to not him giving a list of this is what you're going to do. It, it, it was, this is the gate, me. You must come through the gate. And as you come through the gate, then you are in the kingdom, but the reality of your being in the kingdom is going to look like something. It's going to look like obedience. It's going to bear fruit. See, and our obedience is based on love. I know you, God. I love you, God. It is my desire to do these things. And we grow into that as we deepen our love for him. As we deepen our love for him, our motivation for doing is going to increase. And when we're concerned about the doing and our love for him is growing, those other things will become strangely dim. I've said it before, the focus can't be on what I can't do. If I'm focusing on, I love you, Lord, and this is what I'm called to, I don't have time for these other things that I can't do. I don't want to do those things anymore. But if, if my focus is on this list, see, Jesus came to do away with that whole religious system. He was letting them and us know, 
you cannot reach up to me. I have to come down to you. And that's what he did. And I came down to you because I love you. That changes everything. But he also made it very clear. There's no middle ground. There, there was good fruit and there were bad fruit. There were those that were going to come before him and said, I did this thing in your name and be rejected. And there were going to be others that would be invited into the kingdom. There were two sets of builders. Either you built on the rock or you built on the sand. That was it. It would be real comfortable if there was just like this middle place where you could just hang out. It, it, it doesn't exist. I was reading something and it said it's all about being in God's kingdom or staying out. It's about allegiance to God or rebellion. It's about being on the road that starts narrow but opens up into the life of heaven or staying on the broad road of self-centeredness until it contracts to the dead, halting, final destruction. That, that's, that's what it's about. So the entrance then becomes inspection of fruit. Is there real change? You can sit here and here for the next 1,000 years. If there's no change, then it's not going to bear good fruit. And you're going to stand before the king one day, and he's going to say, I never knew you. I was reading, it was speaking about how a separation between religion and life, a faith that makes no demands or that consists of legalism, a religion that takes refuge in charismatic jargon about prophecy or miraculous healings or driving out demons, but may not even really know Jesus because they said, I've done all of these things in your name. But obviously, there was no change. The awesome truth that Jesus teaches here is if the fruit is not real, we may take leaves to doubt the nature of the roots. Like either the fruit is there or this whole thing has to be dug up. I thank God that it is not about us climbing to him, which we would never be able to do, but him condescending to us. So as he lays this out at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, 
It speaks about entry into the kingdom and then speaks about the reality of fruit. He ends with, what are you going to build your life on? What is the foundation going to be? Is it going to be on the rock or on sinking sand? That's why you can come up, worship team. So often when people try to stay as part of the world and in the church, and, and, and you have, you think, a piece of your foot on the rock and the other one is in sinking sand, there's always so much turmoil in your life. It can't be. There is no neutral ground. You have to make a decision. And it's going to be reflected in your life on the whole. In the same way, a statement was made about each one of those kings. This king did evil in the sight of the Lord. It, it, it wasn't every detail, every day, every thought. This time he walked a lady across the street in front of a chariot. It was none of that. The wholeness of your life is going to be a definitive statement about who you are and where you are, whether you're in his kingdom or you're not. What are you building your life on? We're going to take um, communion. And when we think about that the only thing that's not sinking sand is the rock of ages. That, that makes it narrow. That, that makes it very exclusive. There are so many other thoughts about what life is and so many things that seem appealing. Oh, the waterfront property. Oh, I, I, I'd love my house to be right here on the beach. That's where the sand is. It, it's funny because even in, 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 in not a figurative way, when I see people build their house on the beach and the precautions that they have to take, I'm like, But if that's how we're building our lives, it's only a matter of time. And storms have different levels of intensity. And you may think, hey, I've been doing good so far, and that last storm didn't actually take my house out. Another storm is coming. But if we are building on the rock, the rock of ages, the, the, the firm foundation, that cornerstone that was rejected by so many has become the chief cornerstone. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 3 that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then in John it says, I am the living bread 
that came down from heaven. Thank you, Lord. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Just want to remind the church that communion is for believers. Those that have put their confidence in Christ and have built their life on the rock of ages. You may be a believer here today and struggling. Speak to the Lord and come and take part at his table. But we aren't to take communion lightly. We are to consider the sacrifice made and the reminder of what it represents and what that means for each and every one of us. I'm going to ask the leaders that are going to serve communion to come. And we're going to have the ushers bring up the communion and they will direct you row by row to come forward and I'll come back up and we will celebrate at the Lord's table together. But as Brittany sings this song, let's just reflect on the goodness of God and how he has come down to us because we could never reach him and spend a time of reflection. Amen?